never a dull moment with Reverend Bob, I tell you that much. And that he does. It's such a pleasure to be here this morning. I've looked forward to being able to speak in front of y'all as I didn't hit this service last time, and so it's quite an honor to be able to be here at the 11 o'clock this morning. At the start of the year, we started a series of revival, and we began looking at what does it mean to live this life in the faith that we're called to live, and what does that look like? Last year, not last year, last week, we spoke about a crisis of faith, how everyone's going to experience a crisis at some point in their life, but how do you get over that? How do you make it through? And it comes to grace. Through God's grace, we're able to see through those hard times. Well, this morning, we're going to look at what does it mean to pursue grace? How do you have that in your lives on a daily basis and through your life of faith? In the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then you, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The only way we're able to become a new creation is through God's grace. If you read on into the next verse, it goes, All this is from God, who reconciled us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Grace is a gift from God. We can only be received through a life lived in Christ. But it's a gift that is freely given that we simply have to accept. So from grace, we are become new creations. But the Bible also tells us that we are constantly being transformed into the likeness of God. It is an ongoing process. With that being said... Pursuing grace is also an ongoing process. So to continue to pursue grace is, in essence, to continue to pursue God, who is the creator of grace. And so as I was preparing for this sermon, there were three points of pursuing grace that really stuck out to me. And we'll go through these this morning. The first, pursuing grace means pursuing in daily remembrance. If we look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 13, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Pursuing grace is in remembrance. We are to remember our life before Christ. There is not a Christian here who doesn't have a life before Christ. You have to make that acceptance at a point in your life. So there's always a before. Now, we're not to remember the before 
and sulking and saying, man, what a shameful and just awful past and human being that I was. When we're, set, when we're called to remember, we're called to remember that past through the eyes of grace that God brought us through it. He is the one, through a testimony, a, the power of a testimony is the prime example of what it means to remember grace on a daily moment. A testimony in and of itself begins with your life before Christ. And then it comes into how he has worked in your life and you, who you are now. You aren't who you are now without who you were then. The power of a testimony is how you show your daily remembrance. In any Christian conference you go to, there's typically a speaker that shares this testimony to tell you their life before, but their life now as well. An author by the name of Ravi Zacharias, he wrote a book called Has Christianity Failed You? In this book, he goes on to explain that the greatest proof of love is the power of a changed life. The greatest proof of Christ is through the life of a Christian who has been completely transformed. In his book, he writes, During the course of nearly 40 years, I have traveled to virtually every continent and seen or heard some of the most amazing testimonies of God's intervention in the most extreme circumstances. I have seen hardened criminals touched by the message of Jesus Christ and their hearts turned toward good in a way that no amount of rehabilitation could have accomplished. I have seen ardent followers of radical belief systems turn from being violent, brutal terrorists to becoming mild, tender-hearted followers of Jesus Christ. Those men and women that he writes about, that he encountered, in their testimonies, they mention how they were beforehand. You can't tell a testimony without before. You can't speak of now if you don't talk about the past. Pursuing grace means pursuing in a daily remembrance of who we were before Christ, but looking at it through the eyes of grace, knowing that it is through Christ that you are who you are today. Next, we see that pursuing grace also means pursuing in difficulties. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, or starting in verse 7 through 9, Paul writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was a better solution for Paul, for Christ, for God not to remove that thorn. God always does what's in the best interest of us, whether it's good or it's tough. And for Paul, it was in the best interest for that thorn to remain because it was through that weakness that he was able to experience the power of the grace of God. In human weakness, that is the prime time for us to experience grace personally, 
but for also others who are looking at you to see the grace of God within you. Don't look at difficulties as times of just going away from God, but use those as moments to draw closer. We're actually told in Hebrews 4 verse 16, we're told, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are not to back down from the throne of God because we're going through a hard time. We are called to approach it all the more confidently, knowing that we're going to receive the grace that has been promised to us to help us through those hard times. We will not be left alone. There's an artist by the name of John Mark McCullen. He wrote a song many years ago, and several years after he wrote it, he tells the story behind the song and the actual pain that brought on the song. He was in a studio in Florida recording, and he got a call saying that a lot of his friends had been in a car accident. A few hours later, he got a second call telling that his best friend Steve had died because of that car accident. He says he was frustrated, he was angry, he was confused, and we would look to him and say, yeah, we all would be. And he felt he needed to have a conversation with God. So his solution was to go and to write. It's a song that most of us know, most of us have heard. But knowing that background, this was his conversation with God. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us. He goes on to say, so we are his portion and he is our prize. We're drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. That was his conversation with God the next day, the day following he found out that his best friend had died. That was what he told God. That is what he wrote. Because he saw a moment of difficulty, but he also saw, saw God's grace was going to lead him through. It's easy to sing a song like How He Loves or sing a song like Amazing Grace when in celebration, when there's the birth of a child, when there's a marriage, graduation, a promotion. Those times are easy to say, God is so grace. He's so full of grace and mercy. But what about those moments when there's a miscarriage? When there's a sudden death of a spouse, a parent, a child? Those moments when you're all of a sudden without a job? Those moments where you're, you hear that you have an illness that you can do nothing about? 
It is those moments that we are, we are called to look all the more to God for his grace because it is only by his grace will we get through those hard times. We can't get it through on our own strength, but God promises in his word that if we approach his throne boldly, he will give us the grace needed to make it through those hard times where we don't think we can. Pursuing grace means pursuing in a daily remembrance and it also means pursuing in difficulties, no matter, the, no matter the circumstances. Lastly, pursuing grace also means pursuing in order to grow. In 2 Peter 3.18, Peter writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That is the last verse of that book. It's the last sentence that Peter said to his audience that he wrote in his letter. In the last sentence, he says, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior. That's what he wanted them to remember. That was the purpose of that last sentence. In World War II, there was a rescue mission that happened, but the rescue mission came from an accident. American bombers were flying over Europe in order to bomb Nazi oil supplies. Well, things went wrong, and nearly all of the bombers had to eject, and they didn't think that they were gonna make it through as they were going to be landing in a captured Yugoslavia run by Nazis. However, to their surprise, when they landed, Serbian peasants were there to meet them. They had seen the American bombers eject and fly and come down, and they tracked them, and they brought them to safety. The American bombers realized they, even though they were in a captured and terrified land, they were safe with those peasants. Over the course of weeks, even with a language barrier, the Serbians led the Americans through the country and into home and into a land of safety and into freedom. It is like that with our relationship with God. When we accept Christ, we are no longer in, we are in this world, but we are not of it. The, the Bible tells us that the devil, devil has no claim or dominion on us when we accept Christ. That is promised. However, we still live and we are still in the devil's world. We still have a journey ahead of us until we are at the foot of Christ and get to see God face to face. There's a, there's a long time in between your salvation and the moment that you get to heaven. And it's a journey. When we are rescued from something, it leads us on to a journey and a path towards something else. Like the rescue mission, these American bombers, they did not know the journey. They had to trust the Serbians that they were leading them in the right direction and that they would end up in safety. They had no clue, but they knew they were safe and they had faith that they would get to freedom. We don't know what our journey is going to look like with Christ, but we do know that his grace is always going to be with us 
on this journey. And looking at grace and realizing that we need it daily and that we need it in difficulties. We need it, we need to grow in that fact. Grace is not something that you receive at one moment. It's something you receive day by day over a lifetime. And you can never receive too much grace. As we talk about revival, revival only comes when people see a radical difference between Christians and the rest of the world. That's the only way revival is going to happen in this city, in this town, in this nation. And the way that they see a difference is through love. That's the marking of our lives with Christ, is love. But the only way we're even able to love another person remotely close to how Christ loves us is through his grace. And without his grace, we cannot show genuine love to another person and therefore cannot cause revival in this place. We need his grace as the foremost as we love and reach out to others. The greatest display of grace is the cross. That is the biggest display of grace we will ever know. Because Christ came down, died the most brutal death, but then conquered death and rose from the grave in order to give us his grace, give us his love, give us his mercy, and have a relationship with us. That is where we see grace. If we want a picture, we look at the cross. As we share in communion, think about what this means. What does it mean to actually partake of the body and blood of Christ? Don't come up just as another ritual that we do on a Sunday morning, just another ritual you do at church. Remember the grace that this symbolizes. Remember the love that comes from communion and from the cross. Because that's what we're here today for, is we're here to worship God, we're here to grow closer to him, and we're here to pursue his grace. The only way you can pursue grace is by studying his word, studying what he says, studying who God is, not reading it just as a checklist, but reading it for the purpose of knowing him. It's praying. It's praying when you don't feel like it. It's praying when you don't have the words to say. It's praying when you're angry at God. But it's praying, and it's having a conversation with your father. And it's also getting into a community. Jesus himself had a community he lived life with. He had his 12 disciples, and he also had his three of Peter, James, and John. Who are we to think we can live this life on our own if Jesus didn't even live his life on his own? It's getting into a community who can tell you more and can teach you more of how to study his word, teach you different ways to pray. Because that's how we're going to get closer to Christ. That's how we're going to learn even more what it means to pursue grace and what that looks like in our lives. So pursuing grace means it's pursuing daily and a daily remembrance of who you were before through the eyes of grace. It's pursuing in difficulties as we will all face them and we need to approach them knowing God's grace will see us through And it's pursuing in order to grow because our relationship is a journey. 
It's not a destination. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this moment to come and to know you and to worship you and to just hear what you would have to say. Your grace is boundless. It's perfect. It's full of love and it's full of mercy. And there's nothing we do to deserve it, but you gave it freely when your son died on a cross for our sins. As we come to take communion, Father, I pray that you would guide our hearts, that you would redirect our minds, that we would see and experience your grace in this moment, but on a day-to-day basis as we seek to know you more. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.